Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because we get to welcome back a guest who needs at least two more guest spots for us to cover all their creative endeavors. Whether it's brief news updates in the geek space or long-form analysis of movies and TV shows, we're delighted to welcome back the creatively geeky mind, the Rob Logan. Welcome back, Rob. Welcome, Rob. Thank you for having me back. I need to just start more projects so I can have excuses yes. to come back on more often. That's all. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that's one of the, the coolest things about having you on. Like Every time we look, you've got something new to dive into. It makes <laughs> yeah. this part of the job so easy. <laughs> Some people call it a mental illness, but I appreciate you for celebrating it. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope <I'm laughs> I hope I'm not just indulging <laughs> Well, luckily, with your latest project, uh, the Geek News Brief, it seems like you've got some time in there to hopefully take some breaks in between. But for the audience who may not be aware, how has that project been going? Yeah, so since the last time I've been on, uh, I started up another podcast called Geek News Brief, like you said. Uh, I think it was in like July, uh, and it's it's been going really well. All I do is on uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I try to, I do miss one every now and then. I release like a two to five minute podcast of me just reading like three or four news stories about stuff that's going on in TV, movies and video games. And uh, while the podcast side has been really good and I release it on YouTube and everything too, the place where it's really kind of blown up unexpectedly is on TikTok. Oh, wow. Yeah. Within uh, since July and I've been posting like I break the stories down into individual TikTok posts. And um, within only five months of being on the platform, I'm nearing 40,000 followers already. That's amazing. Wow. That's great. That's yeah. great. I, I, I've been following your, because you'll, you'll post updates about how well that's been going. And, and one, congratulations, because that's really exciting. Thank you. But two, something that I loved about it, because I, I follow and I've seen the videos as well. You have the Animal Crossing set dressing. So it's not just you delivering the news. You have built out this persona within the Animal Crossing world. And I just want to say, I thought that was an incredibly awesome idea to package that with the information that you're delivering there too. Thank you. It's a very creative way to not put my face in the videos. <laughs> <laughs> and I only have to deal with the voice part. But yeah, my Animal Crossing, I don't play Animal Crossing like most people do, I don't think, because my island is not set up for aesthetics. It's set up for like utility. So like <laughs> I have one room in my house set up as a news desk. On the opposite side of that same room, I built like a holiday studio. So now I have a Christmas looking uh, news desk over there and I do my filming in there for my TikToks. I have another room that's a den where I do my editorial content. I have another one that's a movie studio where I show like film and TV trailers. And then I actually created a podcast studio in the basement. I haven't used that yet, but I have plans for that as well. Uh, and then my actual outside island is a functional game show that I can invite other people over to and record stuff on there as well. That is really cool. It's a lot of fun. I think it's safe to say you're playing the game unlike anybody else. That yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> I'm playing my own game at this point. <laughs> well, you know, because the thing that I love so much is what I know of Animal Crossing. It's all about creating this this vacation spot. And I just love the idea of your tagline, my Animal Crossing island, it's not aesthetics, it's utility. <laughs> <laughs> I made vacation into work like I usually do. <laughs> oh, no, I am indulging you. <laughs> Oh, man. 
that's fantastic. Well, if you're interested and you want to hear more of Rob's work, you should definitely be following that. You can follow him specifically at the Rob Logan on Twitter and Twitch and the Geek News Brief at Geek News Brief on TikTok. So, uh, yeah, you've also got a very handy uh, link tree link that we'll put in the show notes as well that covers pretty much all of your projects. So, Oh, yeah, it's, it's a long link tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. be sure to check that out in the notes. Well, we're about to dive into some Hawkeye, but before we get there, uh, I do want to let listeners know that recently uh, Jude and I got to do a couple guest spots. Uh, We were on MCU Rewind as they did their Spider-Man No Way Home predictions, and I personally got to join There Was an Idea, uh, TK's podcast, to talk about Spider-Man superlatives. So uh, make sure you check the show notes for that as well for links to those shows. Mm -hmm. And we should be coming back to MCU Rewind to check our scores on how our predictions went. I'll be honest, go check it out. Listen to my predictions. I don't think I did as well as I did the last time, but (laughs) just I'm hoping I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm feeling pretty confident and we are going to team up to dethrone Tony from his reign (laughs) of predictions. So we're going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I got too specific. It happens. We'll, 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 I'm sure we'll get to do another one someday. We'll, we'll iron it out. But of course, if you downloaded this episode, you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 4 of Hawkeye, entitled Partners. Am I right? And before we do that, we're going to get some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a chance for us to discuss the episode without any spoilers. Uh, You'll hear an audio cue, and that'll take us into the spoiler zone. But before we get there, Rob, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? Oh, I sure do. Uh, (laughs) So this is less for this episode as much as it's for the entire series so far. So um, I've been excited for all the MCU series, but from the initial announcements, this was one that I wasn't as excited for. And I think it might have just been because we haven't really gotten a good chance to dive into Hawkeye as a character. And when they said there was going to be a Hawkeye series, I was like, yeah, okay, of course I'll watch that because I'm going to watch all of them. But I wasn't necessarily excited because we we just haven't seen enough of him for me to really get my like hooks into it. Um, however, I've found myself vibing with this show in a way that I completely didn't expect to the point where it might actually be my favorite of the MCU Disney plus shows so far. Oh, wow. I think it has a lot to do with the, the like street level nature of it and the like level of threat that's taking place. It's no secret whatsoever that I am a huge Batman fan, uh, And this show kind of reminds me a lot of the episodes of Batman, the animated series where the threat is just like the mob. Well, you know what? My, my pre-spoiler thought for this episode, but you're right for the whole thing, uh, was that it continues to stay grounded. I just, I don't know. It it has, it's interesting. It has still that kind of Netflix on the ground daredevil feel, but it doesn't sacrifice what the MCU is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Two more episodes left, but I, I think I might agree with you on this might be my favorite. This might unseat WandaVision. It's my wow. favorite. You know, I I really feel like this show has become the underdog of the MCU Disney Plus shows. No, it's the pizza dog. It's the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> Excuse me. It is the pizza dog of the Disney Plus shows uh, because I think there is, you know, some rehabilitation of the Clint Barton Hawkeye within the MCU. Um, 
And to, to stick with the pre-spoiler thought that I shared on social media, uh, you know, in the busiest year that Marvel's had filled with, you know, reality warping, uh, multiverse breaking, ground shaking shenanigans. The strength of this show is that it is focusing on the quieter human side of the superhero life. So I think that matches what you were saying, Jude, about how. Yes, it is that street level, but it doesn't sacrifice any of the MCU goodness. We're getting that bridge between street level while having the bombastic nature of the MCU, but coming back to seeing characters dealing with wounds, which isn't new to the MCU, but the way that it's handled in this show just feels more grounded than it's ever been. Um, And it it feels like a very good, speaking of this episode specifically, uh, it feels like a good follow-up episode from last week. Yeah. Well, and I also think I just just to add on to this, I think it helps that the way Kate Bishop is becoming what we expect, you know, the Hawkeye mantle or Young Avengers and and all of that. It's kind of the way like I if I ever became kind of a superhero, like this is the way it would be. It would just be kind of like I meet someone and just kind of fumble my way into it. Right. Versus like every other hero, like some magic thing happened or they're on some quest or journey. And this is like, no, I just wanted to do this all my life. And I finally got to meet the person and I'm going to tag along and and make it happen. (laughs) Minus the penthouse. But. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I I think that's a good summation of our pre-spoiler thoughts. So why don't we go ahead and get into the spoiler zone? Uh, Like we said, you're going to hear an audio cue, and on the other side, it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. So, we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. We're going to break this down into the most important topics of the episode, which is a way for us to break down the episode without having to go scene by scene. So, the first most important topic is going to be working the case. Uh, we have a few scenes where some of our protagonists are having extensive conversations uh, with a variety of people. So you have Clint, Kate, Jack, and Eleanor at the beginning of the episode where they're discussing the fact that Kate is intertwined with Clint's endeavors. Uh, you have Kate interacting with the LARPers as she's been tasked with retrieving the arrows. And you have Clint who goes and pays a visit to Kazi to help throw Maya off the scent of Ronan. So... Starting with you, Rob, is there anywhere you'd like to start within these topics? Sure. I mean, we should probably start right at the beginning uh, with that conversation with uh, Jack and Eleanor and Kate and Clint. And uh, so I had this suspicion, and I think you've kind of started going in that direction a little bit, but I've had the suspicion from the beginning that Eleanor was going to be kind of the main antagonist of this. There might be someone above her. But she is, from what we can see so far, kind of the one who's going to become the main antagonist. And they're playing that kind of close to the vest. But I think this episode gave us most of the clues that we've seen so far to kind of justify that. My initial suspicion was honestly based on the casting of Vera Farmiga being the mother. And I was like, well, I've seen her. I've seen her be a good guy, quote unquote, good guy in a lot of stuff. But I feel like casting her definitely puts her more in the villainous role but we do get the evidence after their conversation well actually two things we get the part where she asks clint to drop the case under the guise of it protecting kate but i think she has an ulterior motive for asking him to drop it 
And she puts that phone call in afterwards. We don't know to who exactly, but she does make a phone call saying that there's some trouble going on now. Yeah, no, I agree with you on the just the casting alone. You you don't get someone um, like her, you know, for for this side role. I'm wondering though, like they said, they kind of play it close to the vest, and and I say I'm wondering. I'm more hoping um, with an actress of her caliber. Two episodes left. Are we hinting at more of her later? Like, is that why it's close to the vest? Is it going to tease out and we're going to get to see? Like, like that's what I'm, I'm really hoping for. Oh, possibly. Yeah, that would definitely make sense. Um, because we've talked about it before where you can't introduce a new threat too late into the episode because you don't have enough time set up. Right. Even though this wouldn't be a new introduction, two episodes left, how much are you going to be able to reveal about them and have them be that impact of a of an antagonist um so i like that idea a lot jude of them kind of being around in the mcu long term specifically although we had that thought before and then loki pulled the rug out from under us so mm, uh yeah true <laughs> yeah so well wait wait if in, in terms of king and introducing somebody new yeah like in the last episode yeah like i mean, I, mean I, w- I was thinking about that and i think it's slightly different only in that well, slightly different, and here's where this show might be the same, is you knew he who must not be named. Like, you knew somebody was controlling all of this, and we just didn't get him till the end, so it wasn't, like, completely thrown out, if that makes sense. Sure. It was like, who was that person? And I feel like they're doing that a little bit, the same thing, planting the seeds of the uncle, and that everybody assumes is Fisk. Right. You know, so, so like, I think that's why, if it's Fisk... And tap the brakes a little bit from last episode. <laughs> but if it's Fisk and that's who they show it, I think the it would work. And the only reason why it would work is because they've taken the time to plant all the seeds all the way from the beginning or second episode in or, you know, um, rather than just no, you know, trail and then drop it. You know, I do want to circle back to something you said earlier, Rob, when you were talking about the way Eleanor phrased drop the case. You know, that line stood out to me, too, because I even wrote in my notes, like, I'm going to admit I'm straight up hounding Eleanor this entire episode because I am assuming that she is the villain. So I'm probably jumping the gun here. But whenever she got to that line of drop this case, okay, that to me was interesting because if you were truly concerned for Kate, it feels like the line would be leave my daughter out of this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Not, Not drop this. And the things that I can back that up with is... It's very telling that in the beginning when Jack has the sword at Clint's throat and Eleanor walks in, she's shocked to see that it's Clint. She's like, an Avenger's in my house and Jack is fanboying over Clint. So this is a recognizable person, but there is concern on Eleanor's uh, mind, Uh, especially the way she also throws out that line. My daughter's helping with an Avengers level threat, almost like she's trying to affirm that she's not being investigated that it's something else grander she might even be asking that like am i an avengers level threat oh good point (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah it's just definitely fishing for information there but i i like that idea of that you just said there rob of of both wanting to know but also kind of stroking the ego a little bit right there plus if it does turn out that she is the antagonist, we'll be two for two, I think, of people using the term Avengers level threat and turning out to be the villains. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be in trouble if the uncle is Mephisto. 
man. They, they have to do that for us, right? <laughs> At some point. See, I feel like we as a fan base probably ruined it. And they're like scratching out ideas of like, oh, we can't do Mephisto now. Or <laughs> we have to rethink exactly how we're going to do this. They're going to wait until we forget about it and then drop them in. Yeah. <laughs> So while we're here at this beginning with the Clint, Kate, Jack, and Eleanor conversation, something that I wanted to highlight, uh, because I am pretty, I'm praising this episode highly, but one thing that I think stood out to me of not working is I felt like there was a little bit of a regression having Clint and Kate go back to that bickering back and forth where he's like, oh, I wouldn't call his friends. We're not partners. Where it felt like last episode, the big moment is that we see them realizing like, hey, we can work together. So I'm not saying that I needed them to drop the bickering. I think that's something that's special about their dynamic. I just wish it wouldn't have felt like Clint went back on that feeling after the end of the last episode. I felt like that was maybe a little bit of a show for Eleanor and Jack. I think maybe if they were not in other company, Clint wouldn't be acting like that. I think it's his way of being like, she's not as involved in this as you think. Don't worry. I'm dealing with this. She's just kind of tagging along. She's not in danger. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, and, and just an element of like, again, you are an Avenger. This is some, as far as I know, my daughter is a random 22 year old, you know, and, and I think Clint is especially cause like Clint would have recognized at this point, right away, the sword was Ronan's sword. Yes. You know, and that that would have triggered something for him um, of like, yeah, we need to have that distance. Okay, I think yeah. it's also for the sake of this episode's story and keeping things circular and wrapped up because by the without jumping too far ahead the way this episode wraps up where they are probably at their more, most cohesive before again, breaking up, they have to start at a place where they're bickering a little bit to make their part, their true partnering up that more meaningful. And that makes sense. So I think real quick, one of the last things we have in this beginning scene before moving on, does anybody have any guesses as to who Eleanor called? I want to I want to say Fisk. I do. Uh, but the other theory I know is our our big cameo could be could be potentially the one she was talking to. Yeah, that seems to be between uh, Yelena, who is our cameo, or potentially Val, who we know is the person who sent uh, mm. Yelena on that mission. OK, wait, I didn't even realize that. I mean, she works at a security company. She <laughs> could have called Yelena. Yeah. Yeah, like I just put that because my thought was Fisk. I thought about Val. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's our conversation with friend Daniel who turned me onto that idea. Um, but I also thought I still just have that feeling that that it could be uh, Kate Bishop's dad. Like she's still alive somewhere. That's the uncle. Whether Eleanor is in on it or not, I'm not sure. But like, I don't know. I. I just, I wanted to back off of Fisk. I feel like I would be blindsided if it was her biological dad. That would throw me quite a bit. Because they haven't, they haven't really focused on Kate's lack of a father. I know that Hawkeye is kind of her stand-in father figure throughout this series, but they haven't made a big deal about that. 
Yeah. No, they have. It, it feels more like brother-sister. Well, it's kind of weird. I feel like she wants it kind of like partner, brother-sister, and he's like, you're 22. Go away. <laughs> right, right. I do want to say, out of this scene, if Jack's a red herring, they've done a really good job of throwing me off the scent. Because I'm watching <laughs> it, and I'm just like, dude, he's not a villain. He's just truly that much of a doofus. <laughs> I think that's the case, honestly. I think he's he's kind of a doofus. I'll read straight from my notes. The most amazing acting performed on screen is Tony Dalton looking like he's not charismatic. I don't know how he pulled that off. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> you said it, doofus. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it just, it makes the heart grow old. You know, which, which makes the scene like where he read the book about step parenting, just that much more. I love much that much more. Cause it's like, Oh, you're genuinely trying. <laughs> <laughs> He's a doofus that knows how to sword fight though. Yes. That's, that's the thing. That's a dangerous com- uh, combination. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, I'm realizing now, uh, one thing I forgot to set up in the important topic breakdown is as we're leaving the scene, uh, we do see that we get a conversation with Clinton Laura, uh, where he asked to run some Intel on, uh, Sloan limited. So, how do you feel about the relationship between Clint and his wife, Rob? I absolutely love it. Uh, there are so many shows and movies where the hero thinks he has to keep his wife and his family in the dark. And it is so refreshing to see a husband wife team that are on the same page and like working together. And it's not just she's home alone and all anxious and she's involved. And I, I think that's fantastic. Oh yeah, I I one hundred percent agree with you on that. There, there's so much, it, just my own life. There's so I can't outside of like Christmas gifts, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of things that like I don't tell Amity, you know, and and even like some people I work with, you know, there was just like some of my closest friends at at work and stuff. It was, it was almost like this understood of even me to them and them to me understood of like. Yeah, I'm telling you this in confidence, but I know you're going to tell your wife and because that's just how it works and I get it and I'm okay with it. And so to, to actually see that on screen is on, in the show is fantastic. Yeah, the depiction of them truly as partners is, uh, like you said, Rob, refreshing. And I love the way, because I know this is a limited show, six episodes, you can only do so much, but with the limited time that they have with Laura on screen, they are creating a fully realized character because the way that she's able to have that conversation without actually having the conversation hints to so much of her background without the time that I would like to see uh, explored in her history as well. Agreed, yeah. Uh most of the rumors right now say that she's Mockingbird. Are we going with that? Oh, really? Yeah. That that the the watch, the reason why it's so important to to Barton and hers because it's gonna like reveal her and her location as as Mockingbird. Hmm. Yeah, so, so just to set the scene, uh, one of the other MacGuffins in this show is that watch that you described, and Clint himself says that it belonged to somebody he used to work with, and their identity is attached to that watch. So if the watch is discovered, goodbye, friend. So it's clearly something super important to them. And to give a little 
uh, more credit to what you're saying, Jude. Whether it's Mockingbird or not, I don't know. But something I found interesting is Laura used clever conversation to hide the fact that she was talking about the tracksuit mafia and Jack running as their CEO. Whenever she's talking about the identity of the watch, she completely switches to a different language, which makes me signal like, oh, this is even more of a deeper secret. So that's why it feels a little bit more personal to her and could be a sign that, yes, the identity is hers. Well, and somebody even brought up in that in the um, earlier episode where Martin just had to say, yeah, I'm going to do catch and release. And, and she knew exactly what that was. And. Oh, Nat's favorite move kind kind of thing. So yeah, there, there's a lot of evidence for that. I wouldn't be surprised if she was former S.H.I.E.L.D. I would be surprised if it was specifically Mockingbird. And I know that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not technically canon. There's a whole debate about that that I'd rather not get into. But <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it, w- it would be the first time I believe that they would be recasting or retconning something that is even something considered slightly possibly canon that's a good catch and i loved the portrayal of mockingbird and agents of shield as did i yeah and i mean i think the whole reason it it was frustrating because the whole reason adriana palonic palinic adrian uh, palicki yes adrian palicki um left and i can't remember the other guy um, but the two of them left as so they were supposed to do a spinoff yep. and then it ended up not making. And so we lost two fantastic characters and that uh, was frustrating. No, although she went on to Orville. So I'm sure you were pretty happy about that. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fine with it now. So now I'm with you on, on the whole uh, Mockingbird idea, but that's, that's who people think. Well, moving along within this topic, uh, Rob, I got a question for you. Have you ever done any LARPing? I have not. I have a lot of D&D in my background, but I've never specifically LARPed. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Kate's interaction with the LARPers within this episode? I thought it was amusing. Uh, the only the only thing that's bumming me out a little bit with the LARPers is they're kind of portraying them in the way that a lot of shows portray like nerds and geeks and LARPers and role players. And th- they're looking down on them a little bit. I think the only way that they're not completely looking down on them and they're bringing them back up is that these are all first responders and firefighters and a cop and all that stuff. And that that prevents them from being like, oh, too nerdy. They actually do have a function. I think they're going to prove their worth moving forward to kind of get rid of some of that stereotype. But yeah, no, I, I think aside from that portrayal, they're a very fun inclusion. I thought it was a little goofy the first time we saw them, but here they're already starting to serve a, a better purpose. You know, and that's so interesting that I'm trying to think like at one time, the nerdy stereotype would have been us, the comic book reader, the comic book yeah. fan. Yeah. Now the <laughs> comic know? book materials looking down on the LARPers a little bit. It's a little right. strange. It is strange because, because it, and there's, cause there's such overlap with the role playing community. Cause that's what it's all about is that escapism and, and the role playing. Um, well, it's, it's live action Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. You know? um, and I think she said all three of us enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and if I had the opportunity to go LARPing, I probably would. Um, so yeah, like I, I'm with you on that. I, I just like that, that, that 
they brought them back, like you said, so to give them something more than just uh, that goofy scene. Yeah, I, I think the saving grace of how they're handling this is at the very least the LARPers themselves are not ashamed. So I do appreciate that. Like they're mm. full throated into this. So that that's, I think what's keeping it full on from being in the bullying territory because the humor is more how out of place Clint or Kate feel. So there's still some ground to be, to be covered here, but at least they're not like outwardly making fun of them. I think, um, and I, I will say it is very, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? I, I like how they've brought in the expertise of the LARPers and all their costume design and cosplaying as a potential for making the costume of the heroes. Like, can you imagine it, how, what a dream job that would be for the cosplayer to make the, the suit the hero wears? <laughs> oh, yeah. They'd lose their mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, they're doing some interesting things there. I hope... I hope they can can really land this plane with that storyline within the show. So, I I don't know, Rob. Do you watch any of the or listen to any podcast of Dungeons and Dragons live play or actual play? I have. I've tried to watch streams and listen to podcasts, and I I can't get into it that way. If I'm not playing the game, I don't, I don't really get involved with it. There. Okay. So there's there's I've listened to a couple of podcasts. Um, and the ones that I really got into was because I seen them elsewhere and it was, um, college humors streaming. They have a show, uh, dimension 20 and that on YouTube. And that is fantastic. Like, it's just them who actually play like, and they're professional voice actors and comedian, you know, and improv actors, but they're literally just playing a homebrew game. Um, you know, with, cameras and stuff and that that which would really kind of help me learn Dungeons and Dragons and get into it but the dungeon master Brendan Lee Mulligan I remember him saying on a podcast I was listening to that as a kid he hated Halloween it didn't make sense to him because he'd LARPed and he was like <laughs> if I'm going to get dressed up why no I'm going to do the full night I'm going to role play like I don't understand putting on the costume and not actually acting it out it, it just doesn't make sense to me <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think that's funny with cosplay too, because like I have a I have a Batman costume that I've worn to some cons and stuff. And I'm like, if I'm gonna wear it there, then I'm gonna I'm gonna play the part or else why am I doing this? I'm just now imagining you like perched on the top of a balcony scowling, <laughs> <laughs> looking at all the convention goers. I'm just making sure everyone's safe is all. That's that's it. You'd have. I was totally fishing for your Batman voice, and I'm so glad we got it. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, uh, moving along. While Kate is retrieving the arrows and making deals with the LARPers, uh, Clint is interrogating Kazi, and I say interrogating more threatening Kazi. Jude, what did you think of of this scene where he's trying to throw Maya off the scent of Ronan through Kazi? You know what I what I liked the most about it is is you get the feeling that Clint knew uh well because my thought of Kazi was the last one is Kazi's there because of Maya. You know, and and you get the scent that Clint knows that. And that's why Clint went to him, and that's why I don't know. Um the the scene went down the way it did. You know, I, I think the thing that stood to, out to me within this scene is Clint's not mincing any words here. He is straight up 
dancing around the fact that if Maya does not stop doing this, she's going to end up killed. And we can have a conversation about whether or not that's a false threat to hopefully impose this warning. But I, it makes me feel how I felt at the beginning of last episode where they're doing great work showing Maya's side of this and we're starting to have reasons to root for antagonists and with this scene we're having reasons to be bristled at Clint or at least I personally felt that way uh did that stand out in any particular way for you Rob yeah I I thought he took a really smart approach to this clearly he has training and tactics like this and everything and even just the conversation but have framing everything in the like i'm doing this to make sure that nobody dies that you're going to be okay that maya is going to be okay i'm not looking for violence here i'm just trying to like clean up my mess or ronin's mess and and just get out of here but and just please stay out of the way and this will all go away like you're pursuing something that shouldn't be pursued do you think that because I, I kind of started to get this sense, the way Clint was talking about it um, during the interrogation, I almost feel like he was, Clint was dropping hints that he was Ronan to Kazi. Do you have any examples? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I, mean I, just, like, I just, just the line of questioning, just that if Maya continues going after Ronan, she will get hurt. She will die. Like, I don't know. It, it, it because it felt very threatening. It wasn't like, like it wasn't look, I, cause he didn't ever go back to black widow killed Ronan. I was there. He didn't try that line. It was just a warning of people are going to get hurt. Maya is going to get killed, you know? And, and because it was all more threatening language, then look, I, I'm telling you, I already told you Ronan's dead. Told you this the other day. This is the truth. Like he didn't try to reinforce that, I guess. So, so I think that's why the, 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 I don't have a specific example of like, Oh, this dialogue, but it's more just the approach of the scene and the interrogation itself. Um, kind of made me feel that way. It's the implication. I mean, it's, it's the, the, the stereotypical, like mob talk of like, Oh, it'd be a real shame if this happened. Like, yeah. I'm telling you without telling you. So listen kind of thing. Yeah. And he could be implying that, this is because I am Ronan and that's why this is going to happen. But it could also be, I'm just telling you this now because you're going down a path that leads to death. So it's hard to, cause he has very vague, uh, like he's hinting to certain things while being vague, but that's <laughs> the kind of like shield talk that he's been trained in. Well, speaking of implications, there's one thing that I want to point out. And again, everything is under this assumption that the big guy or the boss is Wilson Fisk. And we've had multiple instances within this episode where we refer to whoever that person is without saying their name. And of course, meta, meta-wise, this is a, revealing a surprise for the audience. But in universe, what I like so much about this is it harkens back to that first season of Daredevil where nobody wanted to say his name because it was they were afraid. And they had that whole arc where they tried to reclaim the power of saying his name so that he just becomes a man what a great way to soft reboot that here into the MCU while being a meta surprise. Absolutely. 
you know, I say working under the assumption. I'm basically just going on that it is Wilson Fisk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know they're going to bring him in at some point, whether it be in this series or whether it be in something else. Mm-hmm. So Fisk is going to show up just like Mephisto did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the working the case topic. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and move into the next one, which is holiday bonding. So we have two specific scenes where we've seen our characters really find their holiday spirit and have some sentimental moments together. So one of those scenes is where. Kate, Jack, and Eleanor are having a discussion, and Kate sees for the first time how happy Jack is actually making Eleanor. Uh, Meanwhile, we also have another scene where Kate decides to bring some holiday cheer to Clint when he is alone in her aunt's apartment. Uh, So starting with you this time, Jude, is there anywhere you'd like to start specifically? I just... I've been to holiday parties, and I must say that one looks like a fun one. With Clint and Kate? Yeah. It's just... They, they looked like they just had like a really good holiday party. And I was just, I don't know. Because I've been to holiday parties where it's just like, it just felt very awkward and stiff. You know? <laughs> well, let's be and, fair. Two-person parties are generally more fun than like massive parties anyway. So Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, We're spoken like a group that does podcasts. That's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Uh, but no, like it is, it is, it, it, it was, a, I really enjoyed it. I liked that they spent that much time of this episode with the two of them, with the bonding, you know, I, I think that like, just, I'm going to look ahead slightly. I think part of the end, Clint's making the choices that he does because of what she did for him here, um, you know, even if it is Eleanor's like, hey, drop this, you know, she did make a plea like you have a daughter. I want, you you know, do you have kids? I want my daughter to be safe. So I think all of that wrapped in was like contributed to that in the the ending choices. Yeah. What a what a brutal episode for Clint emotionally, because we didn't really talk about it in that first important topic. But yeah, Eleanor was pretty ruthless with the yeah. Natasha was pretty good, too. Huh? And then you have this scene again where after they've had some jovial times together, um, Kate asks him, you know, what was the best shot you ever took? And Clint, after having a good time, starts to open up and said it was the shot I didn't take and then tries to close up again because it's to an all too real place. Um, So, yeah, I I think you're definitely onto something here, Jude, with how so much of this is informs so much of this informs the choices at the end. Absolutely. So. Did either one of you feel like, because I feel like I could also read this scene the other way. It, it almost felt in one way, potentially manipulative on Kate's part. Hmm. Like, 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 and it, and it, and I feel like it's an efficiency thing, um, ultimately, because you have that, that other scene where they're talking costumes and all of a sudden she makes this shift and describes the Ronin costume. And you can tell what she's getting at, but, it just felt out of left field. And then same way getting to getting him to admit that he's Ronan here. It's almost like, yeah, we're going to bond. We're going to bond. Now that I got you comfortable and trust, I'm going to get this out of you, you know? Um, and I don't know if that's again, just an efficiency of, I have six episodes or if that really is kind of like as a character, the way 
replicate functions. I I didn't read any manipulation in it at all. I thought when I mean, there's that comment that Jack makes when they're still at the table earlier about it would totally suck to be alone on the holidays. And Kate goes back in her brain, I imagine, to that phone call that Clinton had with his son and just realizes that all Clinton wants to do is just get this taken care of and go be with his family. And she's the reason that he can't do that. So in her guilt and still wanting to bond with this person just goes out of her way to be like, okay, you can't go to your home to your family and celebrate. I'm going to do everything I can to put you in some sort of a Christmas mood because you're stuck in this situation and it's my fault. Yeah. I mean, she even has that line where she's like, I'm going to get you t- home in time for the big day. It's movie marathon night, right? I brought some movies. So right, right. I do think you're spot on with this is a, <laughs> a guilt motivated action, but it is coming from a place of, of genuine care, but that's 22 year old, right? Like persistently beating down that door, even if it may not be, you know, appropriate. So yeah, I think it, they were having a good time. They're bonding. Like this is straight up what I wanted to see a continuation of from last episode to this episode versus what I got at the beginning, because Clint is still treating her like, all right, you're young. You don't know what you're talking about, but they're working together and they're having a good time. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. And it, it builds up to that questioning from Kate where it is that young side of like knowing when or not knowing when it's appropriate to knock on that door of something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see what you're getting at, Jude. Uh, but I, I think I would chalk it up to just being young. Yeah. So, Rob, yes. I got to know, where do you land on this? Is 18 and 22 the same thing or are they drastically <laughs> different? Is 18 and 22 the same thing? Well, remember from the first the first episode, what are you, 18 to 22? And he's like, the same thing. And there's uh, been see. some kind of debate of like, is this actually drastically different? As some would say it is. And or are you and the, the Clint Barton know it's the same camp? I think it depends on the age of the person you're asking a lot. Because someone <laughs> someone younger would probably say, oh, they're they're so different. But then the older you get those ages start to blend in together. And I think Clint's experience with 18 to 22 year olds in the role he's in now is pretty slim. Like he's dealing with his kids and he's not really thinking about that too much. So for him, sure to say, Oh yeah, 18, 22 is the same thing. That makes sense for me, but I, I wouldn't say that. And, and you and I having worked with kids a lot over the years, um, can de- see a clear separation between those. That's a big growth period. Yeah. I'd actually, I'd agree with you on that part to say that there is definitely a big growth uh, separation in that. Um, although I'm going to just throw this out. There's, there's some 22 year olds that I've been across that don't say, yeah, they're, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very individual by individual <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we, you know what, we, it's, it's, it's what we do, right? We got to get as, we get a consensus by asking multiple people. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be our new go-to question. Every podcast episode. 18 and 22. Is that the same? (laughs) 
Is this the, uh, are you an Iron Man or Captain America person? Like, is this the new one? (laughs) It's the new Iron Man or Captain America. (laughs) New year, new us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you know, I want to circle on something here uh, that takes place within this episode. After they start opening up, uh, Clint has a moment where he says, when you do what I do for a living, it's a game of managing loss. So... I had this idea that actually listening to There Was an Idea helped further me along to get to this point. Uh, Tara and her guest were talking about how much of what Kate is motivated by is so that she never loses anybody again. That was the big motivating factor for uh, wanting to take up the bow and arrow because she lost her father. And that's clearly very important to her. Now, last week, Jude, you and I and Ellie were talking about what is it that Kate has to lose? And I jokingly said pizza dog, and I've taken some flack for that. But I've been thinking (laughs) about it more and more, and I'm starting to piece together what I think Kate might actually lose. And again, under operating under that 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 analysis that TK had about, you know, this is a managing loss thing for Kate. I really think the humbling aspect that's going to come from her is the revelation of Eleanor being an antagonist, her losing her mother, not mortally, but just morally. And I think that's where she's going to really have that coming of age moment of like, you can do all these things perfectly and it's still not going to end the way you think it does. Um, And I thought that was illuminating. If I am right, it's illuminating that they have planted this conversation with Clint to Kate. And it really seems like it's seeping in for her. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That is that would have been my go-to thought too. I was like, is he going to say the thing I'm thinking? (laughs) He said the thing I'm thinking. Well, yeah, no, and it makes sense. I mean, we've all, well, I say we've all, generically speaking, typically speaking, we, you know, there's that mentor figure, adult figure, whether it's a parent or or somebody, you know, that, that you idolize and you look up to, and then something happens, you have that moment, you realize they're human, you know, um, and, and I think you're right. I think that's what Kate is going to probably experience um, with with her mom. I, I think you're that that's that's not a grain of sand. That's a full castle. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I like that lingo. That's good. We've been dealing with grain so long. I'm I'm shocked by this castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we could start building the grains together. And- <laughs> It's only taken four series. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you know, we've talked a lot about the heavier aspects of this party. Uh, Rob, I got to know, boomerang arrow or being able to flick a quarter to turn off a TV? Where are you going? I'm going. I'm going with the coin. I agree with with. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with Clint, a boomerang arrow is stupid. <laughs> like that's, I know. I, I I thought the implication in saying boomerang arrow was that it could come back to you and you could use it again. Not I'm going to put a boomerang on something that's going to blow up when it comes at me. Like that's that. I don't know. That's. I, I, but like overall, kind of looking at the lighter side of this, like this whole sequence of the the Christmas party and the Ronin reveal and everything. This was my favorite part of the episode. Um, I thought the comedy was really strong here without going over the top. Uh, I love that they were finally really bonding. Like it, I felt, I felt like the walls came down a little bit, especially for Clint. And 
he really took this in as like a genuine effort on Kate's part to like, she's just not, she's not looking at me as Hawkeye right now. She's looking at me as Clint. And I think, I think that allowed him to open up and talk about Natasha and admit the fact that he was Ronan and like all of that was absolutely tremendous when he talks about the, uh, the shot that he didn't take um, Jeremy Renner's body language in that scene was phenomenal. He's squirming in his seat the entire time. And, and I got the impression that he, that Clint is just genuinely lost without Natasha. And he, he does, he even kind of like looks around the room. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do without her. Like, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, that's, that performance was absolutely fantastic. I was really glad that Kate figured out that Clint was Ronan on her own. Yes, he admitted it for sure, but he didn't just like reveal it and drop a bombshell on her. But even more than that, I like the fact that she continued to look at him as a hero regardless. Like it didn't feel like a blind admiration of him anymore. She's now starting to see him as a complete person. Oh yeah. I think that's, that was a perfect way to put it. Um, cause you just, you have that. And I really liked what you said about this, this, this realization in their relationship that she's not there. Well, maybe she was at the beginning cause, Oh, you're Hawkeye. But like, Oh yeah, totally at the beginning. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but like, but, but like, but like from the beginning, but you see that development of, Oh, you're Hawkeye development to like, no, I'm, I'm really in this because I want this and I'm learned something about you and you're becoming important to me beyond just an avenue to being a superhero and someone that I've admired, you know, which I mean, they planted those seeds all the way up to this point, like with the phone call and, and her doing the translation for that or uh, her getting the, the hearing aid fixed or, you know, him, kind of prepping her like you know this life has a lot of sacrifices kind of like he's buying in uh so yeah like and the culminating in the scene was just so good yeah i think framing it as she's finally seeing clint like not the the fanning out about it being hawkeye she's seeing him is great because so much of what episode one was like we said the the hero admiration it wasn't the person it was the status and so now I like your read a lot, Rob. And I want to give some kudos to Kate as well because she's taking it like a champ. Two things happen with this revelation. She now realizes he's not staying to help some stranger. He has a vested interest in putting this Ronin stuff to bed. So the pure, you know, saving her hide isn't exactly why he's there. And on top of that, she even tries to say, but like, you protect people. And he adamantly says, no, I hurt people. I just had good people aim me at the right people. So she's having so much about this hero life disillusioned right in front of her. And she says, I'll see you tomorrow, boss. Like she has taken these lessons and continuing onward. Uh, I don't think it completely saves Clint from the past of what he's done. There's still some reckoning to do, but it seems like they are still working through this together, which is nice. There's a line the next morning that I think is very important, uh, both in its performance and delivery, and people might have looked at it as a bit of a throwaway line. Uh, the next morning, there's the part where 
Clint's like, okay, go get my arrows. And Kate's like, well, I like to think of them as our arrows. And up to this point, any time that Kate suggested we're a team, we're partners, we're friends. And I think it's kind of why the bickering was important at the beginning of this episode. He always took it down. And it's the first time he says, okay, go get our arrows. And you see the smile on her face, the smile on his face. And that's a massive step in their relationship. Yeah, I'm glad you called that out. That's a, that's a good highlight. Yeah. Well, and it, it's, I, I love it. There's the acceptance of him, uh, or from him, of Kate. There's that acceptance there. I do wonder how much... And I, and I wonder, like, I feel like this has happened with the character and I'm just wondering how they're going to, to, to fully show this. Like we're, they're starting to see it, but especially at the way that this episode ends, like you're going to see it more that Kate's going to have this realization just as much as y'all were saying, like, oh, he's Ronan. So he's in, truly invested in this. He's not just helping a stranger, but I think part of her maturity is going to have that realization of some, like this is my fault. I put on the Ronin suit. Mm. I brought this. Ah. I brought this back out, um, and so I have some kind of responsibility as just as much as you do, of uh, of getting this taken care of. I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's something something to look out for. Yeah, and it, it tracks too because think of think back to last episode. That was a good moment for her. She's like, when I put that suit on, it was like I knew what I was supposed to do for the first time. So it would be a nice growth point if we have a moment where she realizes, no, I have some ownership in this mistake as well. Well, and also, again, off that line, this is hopefully realization they'll show of like, I put the suit on and this, like you said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But what that suit actually represents for her idol and the general public is not what she's been hoping to do. You know, she wants to help people not be an assassin. Who knows? Maybe she wants to be an assassin. Who knows? People <laughs> <laughs> now that she's learned, maybe it's a new goal. <laughs> she's had her first taste. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I, I do want to point this out because, Rob, you, you highlighted the R arrows line wonderfully. And as deep as that line is for the characters, it's also revealing... Hawkeye has spent a lot of time recovering his arrows after every MCU battle, if it's true <laughs> that he has so many of them left. <laughs> so from now on, when I think of Civil War or Avengers, he's out there just collecting arrows for a good bit on his own. And just the the arrow shafts, I would assume, because yeah, all the arrow heads have done whatever yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't see the uh, Pym arrow. Being able to be reused, though, that that one feels like a one-timer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, um, my main weapon is a bow for my character. And 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 part of the game is you got to go collect them. You're rolling a D4, <laughs> hoping you're picking up arrows. <laughs> oh, so, so even in the fantasy world, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So the only thing we have to touch on, and we can keep it brief because it, it was a brief scene itself, is, again, that moment where Kate is starting to see, oh, okay, maybe there is something between Jack and Eleanor. And as cheesy as it is, it was so adorably sweet to see that they look genuinely happy. What poor timing. 
on on that part <laughs> that that Kate gets it reaffirmed like hey good instincts I looked into it he actually does suck yeah <laughs> so that uh that might have thrown some monkey wrenches into the Jack is a complete full red herring he's got some culpability if maybe not the entire culpability see i think he's a doofus i think eleanor's using his name yeah i think yeah i agree i think he's a doofus and i think he eleanor is kind of using him okay even if she is happy with him yeah but but, but think about it like armand the third had i mean he was looking I, I we watched this episode with uh with my wife and she was like that's his mom he's really talking that bad about kate's mom to her and so he clearly doesn't like Eleanor and doesn't want Jack to marry Eleanor. I think he knows that she's just using Jack and that's might be why Eleanor killed uh, Armand. Interesting. I totally like forgotten about that. Like we, I, we, even though it's only a few episodes away, like that stuff feels like so far in the past compared to where yeah. we are now. And, but, but that, that the argument they had is the whole reason why Kate followed Armand down. You're right. So, yeah. And, and she talks about knowing powerful people, maybe Fisk. And he's like, I know powerful people too. And so, yeah. So like he, like, like, I think that's another one of those things where the reason why she's trying to be with him is the whole money laundering thing. So mm. I don't know. He's a doofus still. I'm, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I guess time will tell. Well, unless there's anything more, I think we can go ahead and move into the next most important topic, which is watch and learn. So this is going to be the topic where we discuss the bulk of the the final scene where Kate and Clint are going to retrieve the watch from the mysterious apartment. As they're going about their plans, they have discovered that Maya is there and starts attacking Kate while... A mysterious figure is attacking Clint, who turns out to be Yelena. Also, I'm starting with me this time. I want to just put this out because I, I, for anybody else who's been covering this show, it has been tripping me up so far all season that both our main characters have that k sound. So I have to stop and distinguish when I'm talking about Kate <laughs> and when I'm talking about Clint. And I get tripped up every time. <laughs> Understandable. Oh, yeah. man. Kate and Hawkeye. <laughs> well, see, that was something else I, I forgot to bring up when you were talking about the seeing Clint for Clint. Another fun thing that I've been noticing on a meta level is to watching people go from calling him Hawkeye to now calling him Clint, which Clint. I think leans uh -huh. towards that rehabilitation of the character. Yeah. But anyway, uh, starting with this important topic, I don't think there is a better microcosm of Clint and Kate's relationship than that scene where Clint is looking with the binoculars and detailing like, all right, it's going to take me about two and a half minutes to get up the building. I'm going to do this. Well, you know, you watch my exits. And then he turns and Kate is gone. Uh, it is beautifully done between them two. And, and I like how it goes from the suave nature of Clint trying to keep it low key to Kate literally stopping traffic and striking up conversations with people in the building as she begins her ascent up to the apartment. Yeah, I think it's a great way to illustrate the differences between them um because it's no less effective as we saw yeah it's just a thing that clint would not consider that is not what his training would suggest that he does he was so focused on his method that he didn't consider another one i think 
this might foreshadow a little bit that Kate's going to start to rub off on him too. Well, yeah, because he's he's like training her. Yeah. You no, know, no. You, I thought you'd be up here. No, we're going to be here because you got to think about exits. And he's in the middle of talking and training, and she just, I've, I'm 22. I've had enough and walk off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, let's do this. She is. The Leroy Jenkins of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, <she> was... <laughs> what a pull. Oh, man. Fortunately, it didn't end the same way, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. So far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, Kate's ability to constantly talk is an amazing skill. And I think it's a testament both to the character and Haley Steinfeld as an actor, how she can go from being outrageously charming to off-putting so quickly because the way that she was genuinely helping out that tenant as he was holding his groceries and it was so nice and sweet. And then she gets into the elevator. She's like, yeah, I was talking to an Avenger. I hear him in my ear. And then he just kind of gets very (laughs) nervous and grabs his grocery bag. (laughs) So good. So did any, did either one of you pick up on, cause I didn't that it was a, the Maya's apartment. It took me a while. I didn't pick up on it until they said it. So yeah, same yeah. here. Like, like, and it makes sense that it would be, you know, the, the flashing alarms. I'm going to go out on this limb and just like, I know this is stupid, but why I didn't pick up on that. Kate shoots those sirens with the goop and mm-hmm. you see the goop bubble up for whatever reason. I just took that as like the sound was making the bubble. And so that's like, I know that's a dumb way to look at it, but that's what honestly threw me off. Well, I, I think it was fantastic. Okay. So it, and my cousin, Paul, I think mentioned this just, and, and we've, we've mentioned it, I think before this playing with not uh, being deaf as, you know, something that's, you know, in Kent in, in Clint's view, like disabling, um, but enabling in Maya's view, you know, and, and, and finally starting to look in that space in terms of like diversity. Right. But I think speaking for me, part of why I didn't pick up on that being the alarm is just my worldview. Like it, like it, like it, like I, it just didn't click of like, Oh, it, dummy, it's an alarm, but Maya, the main character is deaf. Like it wouldn't make a sound. Like it would have to be strobing lights. Like I, like, I think, I think just because of my own just worldview of, of what my alarm would do. I think that's part of what I, I didn't pick up on it. And I feel like the, the writer directors, I think knew that and was able to play into it. Cause even Kate wasn't like, had no idea, shot them. And it was like, I have no idea what these are. And just shows like how out of touch uh, people can be with that experience. Yeah, I came to the same rationale. It's just not something that really plays a regular part in my world. So it's not something I'm really aware of, even though it makes complete sense that that would be the case. Yeah. And and the way you phrase it, Judith, like being limited to your worldview, it feels like something I should have known because... Uh, my own personal anecdote, I used to get really annoyed at the the flashing alarm that people had, the lights, whenever they get a text, because I thought like, oh, what, you know, what's the point of that? It's so distracting, especially, you know, in dark places. And it wasn't until I learned, oh, that's an accessibility thing. Like that's for people who are hard of hearing or deaf to know that they've got a notification. So that's something that should have been instilled. But even here, when it's used as a device, 
you know, I had completely forgotten about it. So it is nice to get these reinforcements of a different worldview perspective and how effectively this show is using it both as educational and uh, a, within their drama. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of the revelation that this is Maya's apartment, did it stand out to anybody else that Clint puts it together that it's Maya's apartment based just on the fact that Kate is reading the note to Clint, like the note of like, hey, somebody's tracking your family. And Clint goes, hey, you need to get out of there. It's Maya's apartment. And at that point, he didn't see anybody. Are we to read that maybe Clint is reading that Maya is is tracking down his family and his suspicion was confirmed with this note? I think it was the combination of that and the the flashing alarm. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's a conclusion he definitely comes to. Yeah, and I I do think those theor- that that's part of again whether or not it's Mockingbird. I do think that that is clearly the direction they're going of it's attaching to his wife because you find the watch and the note with all of the list of of them. You know, um, so whether it's his. Because even if it's not, I mean, if you think about basic revenge stories, right? Maya doesn't didn't believe Clint, and you get a sense that Maya's figuring out Clint's Ronin just as way Kate figured it out. And so, if that's the case, uh, Clint's family's at risk because Ronin killed my father, and I'm prepared to die. Um, you know, uh, six figured man, but. Like, sorry, uh, <laughs> but and and so it, so even if she's not Bobby, um, you know, or, or Mockingbird, that that it makes sense that it's go it's going in that direction because it's just such a strong thing about family and Clint, you know, having hidden his family for so long, and family being important to him. It it makes sense that that's the way it's going to go. And speaking of that, Laura Tyen. You know, we laid out the case earlier in this episode why we think that watch potentially could be uh, tied to her. The one thing that I couldn't quite figure out is why the watch would then be important to the tracksuit mafia. But it makes me start to wonder how long has Maya known if she truly knows that, you know, uh, Clint is Ronan. This is his family. and That watch is tied to, to Laura like I don't know. It just opened up a lot of questions for me about when and where people are starting to put together Clint is Ronan. The people that could possibly do it. Val, individually and or collectively. Val knows 100% because she, uh, in the the after credit scene of Black Widow, the picture that she shares with Yelena is Ronan with his hood off. Um, power broker. Uh, could be a character at Kingpin. Like Kingpin's the kind of character that would have that level of connections. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out here mm-hmm. within these last couple episodes. Yeah. See, I, and again, that's what makes me <laughs> go back to Val is because you said Val knows. We know Val knows. Um, you just brought in Julia Louise Dreyfus. Um, she's only shown up twice. If they are doing the Nick Fury thing in reverse Thunderbolts with her, she's bound to show up again very soon. And there's a Thunderbolts reference in this episode as well. Uh, how so? The costume that Yelena wears, that like stealth suit, 
the only major difference between this version and her Thunderbolts version of it is her hair is exposed in the comics. And I think her mouth is exposed. That's the, uh, aside from that, it's almost identical. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it can very easily be Val showing up somewhere. That might be our end credits. It wouldn't surprise me if she's piecing together a team throughout these series. That makes a lot of sense to me. I do want to take a moment to say what an effective character that they've only had two appearances and we're feeling the effects of them already with such minimal presence. Oh, yeah. So, well, you know what, Rob, you brought up a good point about Yelena. Uh, we are getting towards that big fight scene on the rooftop. Uh, you know, I, I thought they did an incredible job of revealing that there's actually two assailants at play here with the way Clint was like, yeah, I'm fighting my up here on the rooftop. And Kate's like, Noah, you're not. She's in here with me. And so it led to that question of like, who am I fighting? What a great way to lead into that action set piece. Uh, do you have any thoughts overall about the way that all played out, Rob? Oh, man. What, a, like, like you said, such an incredibly done action scene. Uh, I was <laughs> to the point, I was so engaged with it. I completely forgot that Yelena was supposed to show up at some point. I did not even consider. Wow. That, that was her oh, wow. until the wrist tasers were used. And then I was like, what? How did I miss? <laughs> like, I was just so into what was happening that I couldn't think outside of it. And then I saw the wrist tasers and I was like, why did I not see that sooner? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, as somebody who, like, one of my most treasured memories in the MCU was somehow getting all the way to the revelation of Winter Soldier that it's Bucky and having that moment. I'm glad you got to get that with Yelena because I, it felt like the the worst kept secret. And so the fact that it wasn't was a secret for you makes me really happy. Yeah, I like I'm usually so good about this stuff. <laughs> well, that's good writing, right? When you get sucked in. Yeah, and the the fact that they can make you forget and the fact that it can gauge you in that way because I was so wrapped up with the action that was taking place and the fact that Kate needed to be safe and granted, I'm not like really worried in the back of my mind. I know they're all going to be okay, but there was still like, I, I was just, I was lost in it. I think they did a really, really great job with it. You know, I think I would have been in the same position as you if black widow didn't get delayed a year. Hmm. Because I, I think I think that was part of it for me was that was, um, you know, you hear the rumors uh, Yelena's going to show up, but because it was just this past summer, and you didn't, if you would have had this now, but not the delay, I think a lot even more people would have had that that feeling that you had. Yeah. So another thing COVID took from us. <laughs> <laughs> so now I will say because I I did right away I was like okay that's Yelena. I'm watching that fight, and I'm like, hypocrite. She's posing. She did. <laughs> and on my watch back, I caught it, and I was like, and I missed that, too? Like, come on. Listen. Listen. She's lost someone very important to her. I think we can grant her that pass if she's paying homage to exactly. her Exactly. Yes. 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 Yeah, she's, she's not posing. She's homaging. Yeah. <laughs> Homager. Um, <laughs> That doesn't sound quite as quite as quite as good. Yeah. No. 
Well, you know, hearkening back to Yelena's inclusion and the way she was depicted in Black Widow, I really like the look of determination on her face in this episode, which is not to say she's not a serious character in Black Widow, but there was something different in the way that she was operating there. She was this person that had just recently gained agency, and she was still trying to figure out what it is she wanted to do with her newfound life. And of course, that leads into the actions of like, hey, let's let's dethrone the Red Room. What's different in Hawkeye is she's motivated by truly believing she is after the person who murdered her sister. So when that mask comes off and you see how angry she looks, it is. it feels like a different Yelena. And it's a Yelena that is so much more threatening in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Well, again, I'm wondering who put her there. Like, we know with the end credits, right? So we, we have Val... And, you know, setting up Clint um, with Yelena. But I, I thought, you know, a good point was brought up earlier was, is that who Eleanor called? It's certainly possible. I mean, in simplest terms, Yelena has been tracking Clint down and this is where she finally caught up with him. And it's just a very inopportune time. But it could absolutely, to your point, be that someone called her in right now because they needed to and they they she's been looking for clint and now somebody knows where he is and that's the call that's made and yeah yeah so i'm i am really curious at how how that that happened um you know but i mean this th- this fight sequence was a shang chi type of fight sequence like it you know one of the things i loved about shang chi's fighting is it's real choreographed and i felt like all the fights help tell the story and this fight definitely it wasn't just hey what looks cool it was it was definitely helping tell the story because you get those callback moments to end game uh you get kate not taking the shot you get all of that and it's um that's one of the things i think made this fight scene so much fun to watch it's a very illuminating section for kate because you know one of the things that stood out to me is Apart from it being a, a, like a good heads up play, there's some parallels you can draw with the way Kate immediately gets the gun out of the play by flicking it into the alley, which is one of the same moves that Clint does earlier in the episode when he investigates Kazi. Um, you see that just because Clint has has cut that rope and she's down on the ground, she gets right back up there into the fight to the point where she puts an arrow in Maya. Like that is that is a next step in this path that she is going down and and trying to live that superhero life. That is not an easy decision to make. And she makes that shot without flinching. Yeah. This is the most aggressive we've seen her by far. Yeah. So it is, it is illuminating uh, on Kate's part as well. And, and you mentioned it, Jude, but just to highlight it specifically, the, the call to end game, what a brutal way for Clint to have to be reminded as he's holding Kate off the side of the building. And then you hear the music from Voromir playing softly in that scene. I thought it was very telling too, that he literally cuts her loose in that moment. Like in that moment, he has that flashback to Vormir. And I think that's when he makes the decision that he can't risk anything happening to her. He realizes how much she means to him now. And is just like, I can't, I, like, I kind of brought Natasha into this, even though it was by not taking that shot and saving her there. 
it ultimately led to her death and I can't do this to somebody else. And he literally cuts her loose. And, but she's like, Nope, I'm not going anywhere. Well, and I, I think it's, so I was talking to a coworker and in one of his complaints, and it didn't dawn on me until you just, until what you were just saying, Rob, but he, one of his complaints was, okay, yeah, I get it. You got to separate them again so they can come back together. And Trey and I talk about all the time, hero's journey, story circle, and, and, and you got to do that part of the story. But I think it was also, I'm hoping this is what we see and them coming back together is, is part of Clint have accepting Kate, uh, Bishop in this role. J- just as Kate had to accept, uh, Clint, right. And all the things he's, he's done and, and at his lowest, he needs to accept Kate still. Um, like he can't just uh, like, like there's these, like he can't use her to replace Natasha. And I, and I think that letting go here was, was this realization of like, like I'm in, like you said, I'm endangering this person and I can't do that. But also this realization of like, no, this isn't Natasha and I can't just have her around because it, gives me those warm, fuzzy feelings again of having Natasha, you know, and that's not right. That's not fair. I got to let it go. And so he still has to come to that point where, no, I'm taking, I'm, this isn't, this can't be a, re- a replacement. You know, this has to be them on their own. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like what we said that where Kate is seeing Clint, not Hawkeye, Clint needs to see Kate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, for for as big of a step as Kate took, like we said with the the taking the shot, I mean it's horrifying that shot where we get the overhead view as Kate has been flipped by Maya, I believe, and she almost lands down that hole into the alleyway. Like the way they framed that was so wonderfully done because I legitimately thought she was about to go tumbling down, and of course she makes it. But that you like you get so much more effectiveness from her actually making the gap but making you feel like she almost didn't because now you're in Clint's psyche of you could have lost this person, which gets us to the point where Clint is like, you're not my partner. You never were. Get out of here. It is, it's heartbreaking from to, to from where we left off of last episode and seeing them work together, becoming more of a cohesive team to get out of here, kid. I can't risk you anymore. Yeah. Uh, I do want to specifically call out what I think is maybe one of the most brilliant things in this entire scene. And I think Jude, you alluded to it very quickly. Um, There's a moment between Kate and Yelena here where earlier in the episode, Clint talked about the shot that he didn't take referring to him knowing that Nat wanted out and seeing it in her eyes. And as a result, not taking that shot. And the same thing happens here. Kate has a clear shot bow drawn at Yelena and we know that she's not afraid to shoot. I think that's one of the reasons she shoots Maya is just to illustrate that here she's not taking it for a specific reason. So Yelena turns around, gives a little nod to Kate and as a result, she doesn't take the shot. I think that's just history repeating. That's a great call out. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're that's, God, this is so good. This is so good. This is a, <laughs> just a subtle moment. But like you said, even just that little quick nod and interaction between the two. So good. It could be what ends up being the start of the road towards Yelena being swayed to like, we're not the bad guys you think we are. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, so often we talk about the show not holding our hands. I think that's a great example of them 
trusting us a little bit. So I'm I'm glad you've spotlighted that, Rob. Do you think? Do y'all think that the um, that the the show? I mean, because huh, you're limited with six episodes. You have the story to tell. You're trying to develop these characters. You know, you y'all called out. It's a it's a big moment. She shoots Maya with an arrow. That's you know, you shoot another human being with an arrow. That's not an easy thing to do. I hope um, for most people. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, I say it that way because like it's as a viewer, I'm left with a choice of like, like, am I accepting this? Like, Oh, you're capable of this life. Or this is the first time you shot a human being with an arrow intentionally, you know, is she going to have to wrestle with that? Or we don't have time for that with this show. Like, hmm. like, I, cause there's part of me that wants to see that for her own development, but there's also part of me. I'm like, there's two episodes. Let's just move on. I think it's not something they deal with in this stretch, but maybe moving forward. It would it would be good if they don't just leave that hanging because we've already got a precedent for it. Like beginning of episode two, I saw a dead body. Come on, we'll talk about it when we get there. Like she is rattled. Like this is this is not new to her. So if we do get some service towards like, hey, I put an arrow in a person, that would be great development for this character. Yeah, but it, it, it again, it's one of those things that. You don't want to gloss over because that would like to think that's a big deal. Um, but you only have two episodes left. Mm. So hopefully they'll be longer. You know what? I'm really hoping that these last two episodes are going to be the length of the first two or long. I, hey, I want like full hour episodes. <laughs> you can end game these and I'm totally fine. Like, let's oh, go man. three hours. <laughs> yeah. This is a tent. Like how long would you comfortably accept an episode on Disney plus? Of the Hawkeye? Yeah. Oh, an episode, two hours. Wow. <laughs> Rob, you did say the end game, so I'm assuming that you're in the ballpark there as well. Give me as much as you can of this series. I can't get enough right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, two hours is basically the first two episodes back to back. Yeah. Ish, you know. And and I have to say two hours because I keep pushing these should be eight episodes. These should be eight episodes. <laughs> yeah. Eight is the sweet spot. Why are we getting six? I agree. <sighs> well, you know what? I got one more thing I want to bring up, uh, and I think that would wrap it up unless there's any more. Uh, but it's more of an open question to the both of you. You know, I get how we got here where Clint's saying, all right, go. I can't risk this anymore. You're way too young to be involved in this, which has gotten real serious real quickly. Am I the only one that feels it's a little weird that he's pushing her away after both of our assailants have seen her face, one of which Kate shot with an arrow? Does that not seem like the right move? That is a part I did not consider yeah. until you asked the question just now, because I'm just thinking, I'm thinking purely from the storytelling perspective of this had to happen because you have to split them up to bring them together. We all know this. But I did not consider that part of it. And that is a terrifying thought that it feels a little irresponsible at this point, maybe more irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, yeah, um, you're on your own now. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Clint Barton is worse than Batman Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but <I> finally- <laughs> Batman never abandoned a Robin. <laughs> Although we don't know that he's not going to be looking out for her from a distance. He is Hawkeye. That's what he does. Very true. true. Very true. 
I was going to say, maybe maybe I should just lean into my role this season where I point out the most vulnerable, like, fan favorites. <laughs> Last week it was Pizza Dog. <laughs> this week it's Kate. Tune in next week and find out who else I expose as vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, like I said, I think that's going to wrap up that important topic. It, it was a bit of a shorter episode, so we didn't have as many defined topics. But we always have the tried and true stray thoughts. So, Rob, do you have any stray thoughts for this episode? Uh, I have only one, and it's it's nothing major. Uh, but as a fairly experienced baker, those <laughs> snickerdoodles looked awful. Like, they're all puffy in the middle, and they're flat around the edges. It's just weird. I don't know what temperature they were cooking that at. It, no, no, I'm not eating those. Those look awful. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious and and i will say having watched rob's uh some of Ro- at least oh, what was it the one of the the baking stream and i can't remember which one in particular you were making i don't even recall so good anyway rob knows what he's talking about his baking <laughs> streams yes definitely something worth jumping into <laughs> and yeah, like one of my favorite things about when you do those cooking streams, you always have a rotation wheel of things that you have cooked. So not only am I getting hungry watching you cook stuff, you are displaying <laughs> all your stuff that you've made before. It is, if you've not checked it out, make sure you're following Rob both on Twitter and Twitch because you frequently uh, share the things that you have baked. So I, do, I trust yeah. your authority yes. here on these uh, crappy snickerdoodles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, what about you, Jude? Uh, you know what? I li- my my biggest stray thought is goes back to the party. I like the use of, well, this whole show, I've loved the use of the Christmas music throughout. Uh, but I like the use, or I love the use of um, It's a Wonderful Life at the party. Um, just playing in the background, and when she flicks the coin and comes on, it's the, yay! scene and and i'm like getting into it and raising my hands in the air and you know um so yeah i i just i don't know i that that really worked well for me um yeah yeah you know i'm gonna stick with that party scene uh a couple straight thoughts that party is straight up avengers party 2.0 uh maybe a little (laughs) more on the introverted podcaster side like we were joking but it, it felt like the avengers party to me uh, I love that was, more t- that was TK's party <laughs> yeah <laughs> flannels and drinks uh, you know I-, I love the way they led into that conversation about shooting an arrow and then trying to split another split that arrow with another one mid-flight and how Kate is like I've tried it's impossible and Clint's like nah I've done it like the little touches they had of that to show their competitive nature was so good and on top of that Uh, I find it very amusing, if not dark, that in an episode where Clint is teaching Kate how to snap a coin in (laughs) at a target, he was drinking out a mug called Thanos was right. So that was a little dark, but funny to me. And finally, it, oh, this is uh, related to the boomerang. It could be nothing, but it's funny to me that the episode that the boomerang arrows are brought up, we see some sort of weird boomerang type decoration in Maya's apartment as Kate enters in that doorway. So again, sometimes curtains are just blue, but it it was funny that it was brought up and we see that decoration in the Oh, I didn't even episode. catch the decoration. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I'm going to have to look for that now. So I do want to point out, Trey, 
that you did enjoy the snapping of the coin trick. Yes. But yet Stick can't do the trick with the bottle. It's all Daredevil. in the ricochets. Okay. There's I'm no saying... ricochets with, with Clint. Lo- Rob, if you don't know, when we started this podcast, <laughs> it was the original truck. We covered Daredevil. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that show? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I watched all of it. I didn't stop after the first season like some people. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, that As ep- you shouldn't have. It's so good. It is good. The only thing stopping me now is whether or not I should wait for when we cover it on the podcast. <laughs> Look. He he's coming back, so I would I get know. on that as soon as possible. So you're as familiar with Daredevil as you need to be. Season three, I know you have between now and next Wednesday for Fisk get caught up. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's my official stance, and I'm sticking to it. The amount of ricochets is how much I'm going to enjoy somebody using trick shots. Okay, okay. Oh man. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our stray (laughs) thoughts. Uh, So that's going to take us into our listeners' first takes. So starting with this one, this one comes in from Ben.Matty on Insta, and it reads, An episode full of great character development. The end left me wanting next week's episode now. What I'm most excited for is we get to see another side of Yelena. It looks like we're going to see a darker, more focused, and serious side compared to the joking, slightly carefree, upbeat character we saw in Black Widow. And uh, I definitely have to agree. That was one of the things that that stood out to me with Yelena's inclusion in this episode. Uh, the next one comes from Fran Daniel on Instagram or Insta or IG, depending on... You want to ask Rob this one too? I, generationally, like I say Instagram and, I, and so I've been trying to figure out who says Insta, who says IG. I say Instagram. I'm not about all these. I, so I am notorious <laughs> among my friends for hating internet lingo. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And and I say the proper names of everything personally. All right. Good See, to know. So, friend Daniel on Instagram, loved it. Great interaction, character moments, and action. Uh, yeah, you know, completely agree. But also say, friend Daniel has on the Discord has really been pushing Mockingbird. Like he's, I think he's all in on that one. Mm. I I was shocked. This is the first time I've heard that theory at all. So. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. The next one is from Caption Life on Instagram, who says, still good, not as great as the others, but I love the Christmas celebration scene. I absolutely concur with loving the Christmas celebration scene. I don't know if I would say it's not as good as the other episodes. I think this one was on par. Um, I really enjoyed it. Well, I will say I read his review and it was similar. The the stuff that I that that he pointed out was similar to Trey's question about like, wait a minute, they've seen his her face now, ah. you know. It, and it and it's it was like little moments like that scattered throughout the the episode that kind of took him out of it. I get that. Yeah, for me, like. I like pointing that stuff out because it is fun to step outside of it, but Mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with the story bending some stuff if it fits narratively with what they're trying to accomplish. And they definitely accomplished the splitting of Clint and Kate for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was going to say for me, and I go back to this story about Star Wars A New Hope, where if you watch it, there's that scene towards the end and Luke Skywalker's hair is wet because they just get out of the trash compactor. Harrison Ford, Han Solo, all their hair is dry. And Luke's and Mark Hamill was like, your hair's not wet. Like they're going to notice there's a continuity error. Mm-hmm. And Harrison Ford was like, look, kid, 
if people are noticing this, they've we have not we have completely lost them on our movie. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and and so like for me there's an element of like I felt like I was sucked in enough to like I didn't even like what you brought up Trey, I didn't notice any of that stuff. Yep. So nor did I. I feel like a lot of that stuff comes from the rewatch and the level of analysis that we're applying to it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving along. Uh, this next one is from Oh Shoot Pod, you know, Ellie that we had as a guest last week. And she says, so good. I love this episode. So happy my girl is finally back. And I think one of the things that I, I responded to this was by saying, like, she called it. She was really hyping up Yelena and... uh yeah, it's it's good to see that come through here. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one, the story has hit some predictable beats, but the dynamic of Clint and Kate continues to be a highlight. The two are both awesome in action or just having some downtime, hoping Kate and Katie from Shang-Chi get to meet up and go pew-pew with their arrows together. Uh, that was uh, from Kid on Twitter. Yeah, if we don't get Kate and Katie at some point bonding over the archery, I'm going to be really disappointed. So I agree with Ken there. I can yeah. see a scene in my brain where Katie's running up to Kate and being like, look, I can shoot arrows and shoots one and Kate splits it from <laughs> oh, yeah. this and yeah. goes, yeah, me too. <laughs> yes. Yes. What a great way to do that. Oh, uh, I hope that happens. Sin. Kevin Feige, super fan. We're, we're, we're all <laughs> the creative team here. We're available. We're yeah. just writing. We're, we're writing on the yeah. fly. This is this yeah. is free, but we'd like to get paid. So yeah, <laughs> make it happen. Oh man. Well, uh, I want to say thank you for everybody that sent in their first takes. We really appreciate it. It's so much fun to get to read these on the podcast. So if you're listening and you want to get in on this action, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at MCU Need to Know. Uh, we put up our pre-spoiler thoughts about the episode the day it airs, if not the day after. And that is where you can reply and let us know what you thought of the episode as well. With listeners first takes out of the way, though, that's going to leave us with our final bit the predictions for episode five. So Rob, do you have any predictions for next week's episode? I have only one and it is incredibly minor because I'm so scared about making big predictions. For... <laughs> 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 also, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know like this. The, I'm so delighted by this series that I'm just happy to be on the ride. And I'm not doing that like forward analysis as much where like, series like WandaVision just invited it this time. I'm just like, take me where you want to go. I'm here for it. Um, My only thing, and it's tied heavily to this episode is at some point, Kate is going to use that coin flicking against somebody because you rarely introduce a new move like that without having it pay off at some point. That's good. I like that a lot. It's uh, it's Chekhov's coin. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you, dude? Well, I I feel the same way Rob is. I'm just enjoying the ride. Um, I'm going to go with the two predictions. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go with the safe prediction. Okay. Just so I win some points here. Um, You know, Yelena and Clint are going to talk to each other at some point uh, next episode. Uh, No, in in all seriousness, the the big prediction that I have, and I really want to go out on this limb here, and this is kind of a prediction for both episodes with two left. I really feel comfortable saying this, and I, I'm gonna, you can hear it on the mic. I'm going to knock on wood real quick. <laughs> I feel like this show is going to overcome the problem other episode, other series have had 
and being the final episode is just the action set piece. You know, like like where we felt that in Falcon and Winter Soldier, felt that a little bit in WandaVision of like, okay, we just got to get the big action Marvel set piece out of the way at the end. You know, I really feel like this show is going to overcome that and really be able to pull the story all the way through to the end successfully. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be because of lesson learned or just because this show was able to be grounded all the way to the end. Um, but that, I really think that the show is going to do that. It's the pizza dog little engine that could. It is. Trey, where's Mephisto showing up? <laughs> <laughs> so right after Kate does the coin flip. No. Um, <laughs> It'll emerge from somebody's forehead that it gets smacked. <laughs> <laughs> She'll smack somebody straight on the forehead who just goes completely perpendicular. Exactly. And comes back up. Uh, no, my, uh, my prediction for next episode, uh, I've been kind of teasing it. I, I have mentioned how much I think Maya is on the scent of Clint's family, uh, how interesting it is that Kate is being shooed away after Maya has completely identified her. I think next episode, Clint is going to confess to Maya point blank, no more running. That'll be how he learns that Maya wasn't going purely for the revenge kill of him. She's going after his family first, and that will be the big revelation of next week's episode. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, call him a shot here. I haven't been doing too great on predictions this week, or this series, so uh, hopefully I can turn it around with this episode. Yeah. So No no Fisk is showing up? Uh, I don't know. I have, I have a hunch that that may be all we see. I think oh. I think we get more of a confirmation, but I think that hand is all we see. Well, I know we're right at the end, and I and I meant to ask this in straight thoughts. So I, I, let me just throw this out there real quick, just get y'all's thoughts on it. Uh, there was a rumor that this uh, episode was supposed to have an end tag, and it got pulled late. Oh, and I, don't, I I didn't I didn't get I didn't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of what that end tag was supposed to be. But how are you feeling about not having an end tag yet with these episodes? Because around this episode four is where the other shows started to drop in end tags. I think we actually talked about this a little bit when I was on an episode in the past is that the only place I want them is the final episode. Yeah, it was it was when we were talking Loki. It was it was a little side tangent conversation we had at the end. So I'm glad you brought this up with Rob. And I I agree with him. Uh, Last episode only is where I want to see the end tags on these Mm -hmm. series. Okay, cool. Yeah, me too. Um, but I just I came across that rumor earlier today that, that this is supposed to have something, and it and it and it got cut. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Those are our predictions. Uh, Rob, I got to say, thank you so much for joining this episode. It was an absolute delight to have you back on. Now this this was great. Like I know what is this? My fourth, third, fourth time now. I can't even keep track anymore. Um, but no, this was absolutely a delight and I'm absolutely loving this series. So discussing this one was like even more exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And if you want to hear more of Rob's work, make sure you're following them uh, at the Rob Logan on Twitter and Twitch, as well as checking out their Geek News Brief at Geek News Brief on TikTok, as well as most podcasting platforms. Uh, and once more, they they do have a link tree, which we'll link in the show notes where you can find all of their creative pursuits. Uh, so once again, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, as far as this show, if you want to get in touch with us on what you thought of the episode, your predictions, your stray thoughts, whatever it may be, you can reach us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's a great place to connect with us. Uh, we'll be putting some extra content that does not make the episode feed up on those. So if you want more of this show, you can find us there. And of course, scroll down to the bottom of the show notes, click and join our Discord. We have a fun community there talking about a wide range of things. In fact, just this week, we or we added a new channel on book readings and stuff to talk about what we're reading, especially going into 2022. Um, those of you, you know, into the future, you can jump in and tell us what you did read. <laughs> um, be sure, though, you're there for the Marvel content, click on the roll assign and click on the eye emojis. It'll get you access to all the spoiler channels. Um, of course it's the season of giving. Make sure you share this with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Rob and Jude. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Rob. We'll see you all next week. Okay, pause. Uh, Rob, I completely forgot to ask if you were comfortable with this. Uh, I don't know if you see it in the outline. We do have them listed. Uh, if you're cool with reading one, uh, we usually just... Oh, yeah, I totally can. I have uh, I have to open it because I have the... Um, like, I save a local copy to put my notes yeah. into. Okay, the I, outline, can, I can open I'm, the doc. The outline I'm looking at doesn't have them. They should be there. Nope. Let me see. Oh, really, Trey? What did I do? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <gasps> They're white. So I use Are they? Uh, there was white text. So I use night mode in Google, and that explains why my copied notes into a different app they weren't there, because the text is white. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Are you able to change that? <laughs> I changed it. Totally. I can see them now, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was it was This is a bad season for me. I can't do math yeah, this, in episode. This is what one. I saw. <laughs> I can't do math in episode one. I can't use Google. I thought sound was blowing bubbles with the goop in this episode. <laughs> I think when I downloaded it anyway, it was before you put them in. Okay. So, yeah. That's the yeah. official story. We're sticking with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, uh, the way we do it is I'd take A, you'd take B. And Rob, you take C, uh, sure. and, and we just read it and just throw out a quick comment of what we think of the person, the, the, the thought that the person has. What you think of the person? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Trey. <laughs> Look, I don't know this person, but I'm happy to just create an opinion on the fly. So, just... <laughs> what else is the internet for? <laughs> oh man! And I thought we were gonna get out of here without any goofs. <laughs> oh man.